0: There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses.
1: It's the art and science of money.
0: My job has been to try and figure out which is which.
1: It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto. With Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers, here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle.
2: Happy Saturday to you. Good morning. Wolfgang Klein here, host of Hi-Fi Radio, a show about money uh, well, we're now into our third season. So exciting. Uh, yes, back by popular demand, they renewed our contract, shall I say. Uh, well, it's been an interesting year. It's been a good year. Volatility continues. Um, and I came back from a conference in Boston uh, where I spent uh, three intense days learning about tomorrow. Uh, yes, uh, growth opportunities, of course, are in ideas uh, that will unfold tomorrow. Ted Rogers, I think, put it very well. Uh, he said that the best is yet to come. God rest his soul. I see his old trucks buzzing around Toronto and see a Roger's truck. And yeah, there's a signature. The best is yet to come. So he was an optimist. Um, we have Jed Dorsheimer on the line. Uh, he is stationed in Boston and uh, he's an analyst with Canada. ingenuity, managing director. Uh, his Division is considered sustainability. Uh, certainly, uh, electrification of vehicles is part of the sustainability model. He uh, covers, of course, uh, Tesla, who was at our conference, and uh, the whole theme around um, uh, the evolution of. Uh, automotive. Uh, so Jed, thank you very kindly for joining us uh, on the show again. Uh, you're a smart fellow. You're a good fellow. Uh, yeah, good fellas. <laughs> and um, I was just very, very fascinated by uh, the first uh, day's uh, presenters. Just so much uh, was covered uh, from charging stations to uh, resources that go into these giga factories of these gigabit batteries, um, uh, to the sustainability of uh, a Tesla versus, uh, the likes of the big three automotive companies shutting down plants. So we have so much to talk about Jed, uh, to, to tantalize the audience a little bit. Like what do you think were the, some of the key elements that came out of that conference when it comes to the future of driving?
0: Yeah. Uh, thanks Wolfgang. And, you know, happy to be on, um, I think probably one of the, one of the big stunners was um, in, uh, in my keynote, I, I provided uh, um, a framework, if you will. Uh, Mark Twain, I think, is often uh, um, quoted as, uh, or the quote is attribute, often attributed to Mark Twain that uh, history doesn't repeat, um, but it certainly rhymes. And uh, as an analyst, one of the things that I'm tasked with is is really just trying to um, uh, find pattern recognition, and um, actually that's how I came about covering the transport and mobility sector. Um, and I would say that my expertise is largely in understanding uh, disruptive technologies, and you know that doesn't come with a without a lot of pain, uh, having gone through. Uh, You know, lived through um, different roles, some on the operating side as well, to uh, to really uh, understand how these industries are disrupted. And so, one of the uh, shockers, I think, was the slide that I put up, which showed in the early um, 1900s uh, down in New York uh, streets that were filled with um, horses uh, and. you know, one or two, uh, cars. I think the, the picture had, uh, two cars on Madison Avenue. Um, and then, uh, 20 years later, same street, same perspective. Um, there was filled with cars with, um, only one horse. Mm -hmm. And so within a 20 year period of time, you had really the last major disruption, um, in the transportation sector. Yeah, that's true. And I think today we're undergoing another one and there's a framework that, that is very applicable. Um, and I think that was one of the major, uh, stunners or shockers from, uh from an investor perspective.
2: You know, it was a great photo you put up. It was a, it was a black and white photo. Uh, what, 1890, 1910? The first photo, and you circled the two automobiles in the photo. And that really could have been Young Street. It could have been, as you said, it was Madison Avenue. It could have been anywhere uh, in the uh, Western world. Uh, to,
3: uh, I, I think Henry Ford had the famous quote. He was saying that if he asked his customers what they wanted back in the day before he developed the Model T, yeah. they would say, Faster horse.
2: <laughs> but but yeah. the, the, Jack brings up a very, very good point, Jed. So I'm going to speak to his point. Does the customer know what they want? And, and I'm going to say for the most part, no, until you actually show it to them.
0: No, I don't think the customer knows what they want. Um, but I would also say um, when a, they, they certainly know and can react really quickly to what they don't want. So often uh, when um, products are launched... Uh, you can get a visceral reaction. Uh, and and so I think that's important um, to uh, to understand, too.
2: So let's speak automotive, uh, or carry on automotive. Uh, again, walking over to the studio today, Jack and I always walk through a parkade, uh, of which there's a bunch of vehicles in it. And again, I look at these uh, North American pickup trucks, and the amount of steel in these pickup trucks is just incredible. There's just big honking vehicles. Uh, when you sit inside a Tesla, you just see how streamlined that vehicle is. Um, now, tastes have certainly changed. Consumer tastes have changed towards the SUV model. We know that. Um, but the the automobile, as we know it, the, 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 the four walls around us, um, do you see that really changing a whole lot or is it more so how we use the vehicle? And then what company were you referring to, Jack, that one of those... Uh, uh, not oh, rental- Zipcar, yeah. Zipcar. Zipcar.
3: So that's where you actually have the... Uh- the cars are shared, but you have to go to the parking lot to actually go and get them. Right? No, but
2: one Zip car takes, takes seven, seventeen 15. car take takes fifteen cars off the road. So, is that the type of shift that you're seeing, Jed, or is it more a shift of the actual hardware that we're driving, or combination thereof?
0: You have a combination. So, yeah. so you have the business model shift, which, uh, and this is what we tried to point out in the conference that it's not good or bad. There's just different levels. Um, uh, to understand as an investor. Yeah, Look, so we're we're gonna go, we're to-
2: let us go to commercial break. I'm getting the rap slap. But I also okay. want to talk about some of these new products that we showed, including, a, was it a three-wheeled vehicle? Um, it basically looked like a glorified uh, golf cart for that uh, Starbucks-type Commute you want to make uh, on, on a frequent basis. So we have Jed Dorsheimer on the line. He is a sustainability analyst. Uh, we're talking about the future of automotive, the future of driving, connectivity, uh, 5G. Uh, really, this is about tomorrow, my good friends. And that's what successful investors are. They look forward. Jed's going to help us look forward uh, right after this.
1: Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi Fi Radio from Global News Radio. 640 Toronto Bicycle 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 I want to ride my bicycle. bicycle 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 I want to ride my bicycle I want to ride my bike
2: I want Welcome to ride back bicycle. to the show It's Hi-Fi Radio I'm Wolfgang Klein on the Global News Radio Network in Toronto uh, a real pleasure to be here each and every Saturday. Again, a show about money. If you have any money questions, you can always reach out to Jack and I, Wolfgang Klein. Com. It is so easy uh, to contact us, and we will get back to We will respond to each and every one of your questions, as we always do. Uh, we have Jed Dorsheimer on the line. He's uh, a Canaccord director and a uh, very, very brilliant analyst uh, working on the future of tomorrow. And I say that because you know, there are analysts out there who cover banks, and not a whole lot really changes with banks. Yes, they raise their dividend, they have loan losses, but the, the, the business is what it is. Jed's talking about tomorrow. He speaks about LED lighting he speaks about the transformation of change before we get into bicycles um and the, the different modes of transport um jed or jack picked up on uh, i guess within one of your white pages you do a description of i think um uh light uh from kerosene through and, and you spoke about that at the conference and that's how you open i think one of your keynotes um jack can you please just share with the audience again the transformation of illumination please and how that applies then to automotive
0: yeah so um is uh as a historian if you look back prior to 1800 the primary source of light came from candles and the underlying technology um was largely chemistry you know how you whether it was a sterine or a paraffin by, by the way paraffin is essentially a candle made out of whale blubber so it didn't make your house smell all that good but it gave a slightly higher luminous efficacy post 1800 the new technology that came into the market was that of gas lighting and so think of standard oil actually the standard in in Rockefeller's standard oil came from uh, trying to create a kerosene that was standardized so less houses would burn down <laughs> that was the primary source of light and compared to a candle you got a 10x increase in your luminous efficacy the basic underlying skill set was that of mechanical engineering you were essentially routing um, plumbing and pipes also interesting or i find interesting is that this is the first time that lighting kind of became a utility post 1900 the primary source was electrification this is nikolai tesla and often edison is uh, is um, uh, associated here with the light bulb but the incandescent light bulb which largely came about by uh, having an electrical grid Again, 10x improvement in luminous efficacy. And the underlying technology is largely electrical engineering or electricity, if you will. And so um, what, what I find interesting is, is in the migration from each one of those, and today I would argue that we have kind of have a fourth, which is LEDs, which is a semiconductor, and there's a different skill set in each one. And not one um, uh, uh, incumbent supplier was ever able to make it uh, across
2: the transition. Ah, um, interesting, like the isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the Sony Walkman versus the iPhone. <laughs> I forgot what it was called. Sony couldn't make that transition. And they had the... So I continue to refer, refer back to that um, but yeah, Walkman. But no, Jack, I want you to talk about... You brought something up very interesting this morning in our office, and I know Jack can speak to this. Uh, a plasma television set versus LED. And what did has, LED do to us?
3: LED has not just only trans- transferred... Um, lighting, it's also gone into televisions now, it's in mobile phones, and now he's talking about it transforming the automotive industry.
0: Yeah, so LEDs um, really is just a different light source, and uh, plasma compared to an, L- an LED TV is just a good marketing gimmick by Samsung. It is large. It is an L- LCD, liquid crystal display, that's using an LED uh, backlight. Uh, For the most part, Mm -hmm. plasma is you you have a plasma gas uh, encapsulated within a uh, within a cell that that the actual cell um, is uh, uh, illuminates versus an LCD, which is um, think of your uh, think of your screen on your window and opening and closing each individual uh, um, shutter. Uh, or using a shutter on each individual cell. That's essentially what's happening with a LCD, whether it's lit by a fluorescent or uh, LED backlight. And there are certain benefits that you can have with uh, uh, LED. But, we, so,
2: but so yeah, but what's, what's the term, uh, pivot then? LED to automotive. Where is the connection there?
0: So, so the pivot is one that I would would suggest that. It's uh, that it has more to do when we look at that um, that framework of disruptive technologies. It's a change of skill sets. Um, and so that's really what uh, what I was highlighting at the wow. conference yep. that um, and this took me running a corporation to understand um, really how disruption happens. It doesn't happen by having a better product As an analyst for 20 years. I thought that was the case. It happens is like a cancer from the inside out, uh, the inability for an incumbent to um, shift over uh, uh, from a uh, an entrepreneurial uh, perspective, and that's where smaller companies have the opportunity to disrupt
3: really what we want to see is I think a better product at a lower price, and I think that's what the electric vehicles. Proposed for us, but it's just a little bit out in the future when you have that crossover with the cost, the, the cost. So, the, cost yeah, party. The, the,
0: the, the change. So, so when you th- this was interesting, when I walked Tesla's floor in their factory, what jumped out at me is how little and I've been in GM's uh, facility uh, as well um, when they had it in Framingham, Massachusetts, um, there is essentially. Other than sharing a steering wheel, four wheels and seats, there's not a lot of crossover between an electric vehicle and one of an ICE-based internal combustible engine. And so, uh, in fact, there's a very different skill set that's required because what jumps out is there's a lot more electrical connections, more computer systems, etc., and, uh, and so I would argue that fundamentally, EVs are, are fundamentally different than that of uh, ice-based vehicles.
2: Interesting. Uh, we're talking with Jed Dorsheimer, uh, one of our key analysts at Cana Corjunuity, uh, speaking to him live in Boston. Uh, gracious enough to spend some of his time with us this weekend. Uh, we we're at a conference together, a sustainability conference, and he helped host uh, the future of automotive. We all know so much is changing uh, with your car uh, and with the way we move ourselves around, uh, fascinating stuff, a uh, great platform for some good investment ideas uh, about investing uh, for tomorrow. That's really what it's all about. It's is Hi-Fi Radio. on Wolfgang Klein, a show about money. More of it right after this.
1: Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
2: Welcome back. It is Hi-Fi Radio. I'm Wolfgang Klein, your host. Good morning to you. We're talking uh, automotive here with Jed Dorsheimer, one of our managing directors and analysts. Uh... At Canaccord Genuity, he works out of Boston. That's where all the intellects um, reside. I must say, it's a beautiful city you live in, uh, Jed. It's an absolutely gorgeous city. At, uh, I'm surprised how small it is. Um, well under a million people, 675,000 residents of Boston. We think every American city is bigger than uh, any Canadian city, but obviously Boston's not the case. Very, very pristine city. Your subway system, however... There's an example of global infrastructure that needs some attention. Um, I don't mean to take a shot yet, although I just did. But I just, I never saw your subway system, but a number of people mentioned to me that it was uh, less than, uh, uh, well, Bostonian, shall I say? Because a beautiful, clean city you have. Um, and again, I, I just see very smart people <clears throat> with very progressive ideas and, and very, I'll say, very liberal type city. Um, so it, uh, I felt at home in your in your town. And
3: uh, they had the big tunnel there for a while, Wolf. And that was, I think, the largest largest construction project in North America for the big dig. I don't know how long it took, but it took a long time. Well,
2: again, and as a Torontonian we see the same thing because we have the right. Gardner Expressway. Uh, they talk about uh,
3: burying it and, and, and you know regentrifying, I guess, the waterfront. I don't know if that's going to happen, but. I Know, it would certainly cost Toronto and Ontario a lot.
2: It would, but I never saw Boston prior to. Uh, but uh, when you speak to locals, they, they really speak of the improvement, uh, the sacrifice, but the improvement uh, that that came forth. And so, and anyway, I congratulate you. I congratulate you, Jed. You live in a beautiful, beautiful city and uh, just a good bunch of people. And you, can and you just,
0: bring you, up an interesting point, Wolfgang. And thank you. And uh, and uh, but you bring up an interesting point about the public transportation. Um, yeah, yeah
2: that's yeah, You're right. I don't like because we're talking about the future of driving here, right?
0: Yeah, Boston ranks the fifth worst city in the U.S. for um, on a recent study that I just saw. Was, uh-huh. I think LA is number one, and DC is is a
2: bit worse. But uh, gotta has got to be up the there. DC is the worst. The, the the nation's capital.
0: Yeah, but it's uh, wow. it, it is um, it, it, the amount of time that we actually spend in our vehicles in stop traffic, only to then park the vehicles where they sit idle. Um, and this was one of the points that. Uh, we opined about it, the, it the, you know, in the changing business models, and you had mentioned that uh, it's essentially transport network companies, but the, the move to shared transportation. Um, the average utilization for a car in the U.S. is less than 5%. Yeah,
2: no, that's the number I've been bouncing around since I came back from Boston. We use our car 5% of the time. I'm a money guy, all right? I like assets that go up in value. Guess what? Every car that sits idle is depreciating until a point where, well, salvage value, that's about as low as she can go. But I don't like assets that go down in price. Uh, But the shared economy is... Is here to stay and it's just begun. I want to go back to Tesla. It's about but a sixty billion dollar company. Um, I again, I haven't looked too close to yet the mathematics of it, uh, Jed, uh, but uh, not profitable yet for the most part, uh, for all intents and purposes, not profitable. A market cap similar to that of what GM or Ford. Uh, with a fraction of the revenue, but the story is in front of it.
3: Well, it trades more like a tech stock than an old uh, old automobile stock, like GM and Ford. So, so
2: speak to the stock itself, Jed, uh, and, and the valuation, and, of course, Elon Musk's uh, ability to uh, continue to take that company forward, because I completely admire that American. He's one of the greatest human beings on Earth. I'm in such awe of that man.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> so where to begin? That yeah, is a very loaded question Yeah, you uh, Sorry, man. Uh, that being said, um uh, you know, I think the it's easy to get caught up in the um the headline grabbing uh and and frankly there's there's value here. I mean there there's things that Elon does in tweets um that uh, uh not
2: like your president. You say tweet, we think Donald, not not him, but sure there's the odd tweet he's put out actually,
0: there. Actually I would I would argue that there's a there's quite a bit of similarity between
2: the uh the two uh and the inability to uh when elon uh, hears this radio show because he tunes into our show i know he does he's, I, I like, he's, he's gonna to, to put a call out to you pal he, he's, <laughs> he's to, careful
3: he's toned it down a bit just because of the regulators and i think they slapped him pretty big, hard no
2: big time would the who can donald trump ever tone it down
0: no no
2: no so, <laughs> but um, anyway, we digress the,
0: the challenge that we have with uh so so it's easy to get caught up in that right and um and uh You know, I think when when we initiated coverage, um, I initiated with a hold um, and it was largely because of the, you know, uh, concerns around corporate governance. And uh, and then uh, we were caught up in this, uh, uh, the liability in uh, uh, as well as um, uh, some of the the uh, the debt that was coming due. Um, And I think a a lot of those issues have been kind of uh, assuaged. Um, our bullish stance is largely because when we look at these trends, these disruptive trends, what we see is is a model of, of more winner take all, or um, you see a, yep. a higher consolidation, if you will.
2: Yep. And do you, you we think we have an automotive winner take all? Because again, Google search what eighty five percent, Facebook, social media, they got it done. Amazon. E- e-tailing. So it's winner-take-all now, but this is automotive, old-school. Still got four wheels, still has brakes, air conditioner, heater, windows, power. Oh, I'm getting the wrap. Uh, stay with me, Jed. I'm going to go to commercial break here. I want to keep you on. You're so good. So exciting talking about all this good stuff here. Hang tough. We're talking Tesla. We're talking with Jed Dorsheimer, Managing Director of Sustainability at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. This show is about investing tom- for tomorrow. It's about growth. It's about making money. I'm Wolfgang Klein, Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto
1: listen we're gonna take a break but when we come back more money talk you're listening to hi-fi radio from global news radio 640 toronto Hello,
2: good morning. It is Wolfgang Klein, host of hi Radio, Jack Hartle, right by my side for the cause. Um, yes, Red Barchetta. Hey, we had Jed Dorsheimer on the line here, managing director, uh, live in Boston. Uh, Red Barchetta, who made that car, Jed? Do you know? Jack, do you think know? it
0: was a Ferrari, right?
2: I don't know. I ask.
0: I don't know. You yeah. guys, you think it was I'm a not Ferrari? A car guy, I, I
2: bet you're right because you're also a historian, Jed. Um, so, we're talking Tesla. We're talking um, uh, the changing landscape of automotive and how we drive our vehicles, or should I say, how we park our vehicles 95% of the time. Um, automotive is automotive four wheels, a motor. All right. Tesla has two engines. I didn't know that. That's what I learned in Boston two engines and a Tesla, one over each axle. Motor. Motor, yes, not engine, motor. Engine thank, would it, be uh, using fossil-based fuel. All right, thank you. Um, yeah. But Jack points out, you point out, probably one of the biggest pivots, it's a word I've been using in 2019, I stick with these words and I'm going use it to death, right? <laughs> we all use the word right to death? Yes, I'll use the word pivot to death. Um, silicon carbide, uh, please, h- how is that transforming automotive and the significance of it and will the old players participate in silicon carbide? Please talk, speak to that, Jed.
0: So one of the things that I looked at when, uh, so what I loved about the transport sector is I love the low utilization, the fact that there was a uh, um, another technology that, uh, as many people don't know, the maximum theoretical efficiency of an internal combustible engine is less than 30%. percent mm-hmm. Of an electric vehicle is 80%. It's unbelievable. So you have a more efficient new technology that's coming on the horizon. Mm-hmm. With As you talked about, being used less than 5% of the time. So there's all sorts of opportunity for disruption. And as we kind of dug into the electric vehicle, what we found is the single largest um, cost center is the battery. The uh, yep. And so when we look at the cost of a battery, it's about fifteen dollars to $17,000 in a Tesla Model S. 17, so about
2: $17,000 $17, a battery. Wow.
0: Yep. So let's say that has a cost of about $70,000. That's the cost for Tesla to make that vehicle. And when we look at the curves, you don't have a logarithmic, we don't have a Moore's law associated with energy storage. In fact, I would argue that it's very similar to that of solar. And if we look at the solar. So, so you said
2: no Moore's law with storage. It's, it's been no linear, Moore's they haven't law. been
0: able to improve it. Ah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I guess.
2: yeah. See, Moore's law basically technology power, yada, 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 doubles, what, every six to 18 months, correct?
0: Yes. So costs are coming down for batteries, and this is where our metals and mining team does a great job. So this is Eric Zonsherb and Reg Spencer out of Australia, um, and I got together with those guys, and we, did, we actually worked on a white paper together looking at – and so there are problems that if the whole industry goes to lithium uh, or goes to electric vehicles, you're not going to be able to get those cost curves to still come down. So that was really interesting to me. So in fact, those okay. cost
2: curves you could argue would go up because it'd be again no basic mining, um, I think you know, that's the, uh, the low-hanging fruit first.
0: for owning a lithium company or a cobalt company. And so when we started to kind of dig in, and 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 so as you look at the cost curves, it's largely a function of uh, capital. So uh, versus one where you have a natural logarithmic curve, and so that's that's problematic for some of the EVs. So then uh, we started to dig into, well, how can you get efficiency? How can you deal with range anxiety? One way is to put in bigger battery packs. But as we just talked about, that's the most expensive cost center in the the vehicle. Yeah, I like where
2: you're going with this. Go ahead. I know where you're going next. I like it.
0: So then we, we started to dig in. We found that actually most of these electric vehicle OEMs are moving to high voltage architectures. So that perplexed me a little bit. I was like, why are you going to a high voltage? And then we started to see that there's a bunch of efficiency gains based on how quickly you can charge. So essentially, think of this ostensibly as a bigger pipe that you can get more energy into the vehicle at a faster rate. But as you do that, it requires more robust semiconductors. And this is where one of our uh, most bullish names is Cree. Because of this, because of the move from silicon IGBTs in the inverter, so think of the translator that's going to talk to the motor uh, and talk every time you need uh, energy from the battery. And it turns out that silicon carbide is much more robust and more efficient, which means that you get less leakage and loss, and it can actually operate at much higher temperatures. So all of these things are really perfectly suited for electric vehicles and oh by the way over 600 volts they just it's it's night and day and you wouldn't design with uh, with um, silicon and so, so um, and so this is this was kind of one of the big aha moments in terms of the opportunities that uh, that we see and this is this is what we are pretty good at is trying to find these disruptive trends and then dig down and find out where are potential bottlenecks going to be and Because wherever there's bottlenecks, there's usually opportunity with uh, the solutions.
2: Well, you know, Jack and I do have to do some more work on some of the base metals uh, and minerals that do go into these batteries because lithium, in fact, could be the next oil. Uh, You know, oil doesn't have a whole lot of well, it's got a lot of slippage right now, shall it I say. Yeah. Uh, the Generac is another weather. idea that we are looking at to help uh, 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 sustain uh, the whole 5G network and all the towers. Uh, again, very, very cool uh, technology. Again, uh, you don't want to flood. You don't want your house uh, going into a blackout, especially at Christmas time. You want to keep your house lit too. Uh, Jed George-Jimer, an absolute uh, treat to have you on the show. You spend a lot of time with us. Um, uh, your, your mind just never stops, and uh, you keep that uh, gray matter well Uh, tuned and well-exercised. I wish you a great weekend. I want to thank you once again. Um, We are going to have a (laughs) hedge-fudge, (laughs) hedge-fudge, a hedge-fund manager, um, um, uh, uh, Noah Noah Solomon, up uh, up on the show uh, on Hi-Fi Radio right after the commercial break. Stay tuned.
1: Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? money Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
2: Good morning. Yep, it is the long weekend. Labor Day weekend. We get to offload the kids oh so soon. Uh, Yes, it's going to be great. That's what Mother said to me many times. It's going to be absolutely great. A little peace and quiet at home. For a couple hours, hopefully, when the school bus picks up our kids and says bye-bye, see you at 3 o'clock. Uh, yes, Wolfgang Klein, your host of a money show called Hi-Fi Radio on the Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. Thank you for joining us. It is my privilege to be here with you, as it is Jack's as well. Um, we have Noah Solomon in the studio. Uh, he is with uh, Outcome Wealth management is that correct noah that is correct i've known noah for some time uh, formerly a wall street man uh he used to run hedge correct uh yeah, so yes so when i say they he ran hedge he he uh he worked at a hedge fund and was a hedge fund manager uh so I want to talk to you a little bit about that business because that, that helped you then, I think, uh, transition into um, your, your current mindset. So please t- talk to us about hedge and then talk to us about uh, your philosophy on, on money management because it is, it is a fresh, unique approach.
4: Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Hey, you're welcome. And, uh, yeah, I spent, uh, you know, the early part of my career was in, as you said, at Wall Street at Goldman Sachs managing house money uh, in a variety of strategies. So no clients, just only house money. And then, as you said, I ran a hedge fund for several years. And um, what occurred to me and how we came to Outcome Wealth Management was, you know, I like to say that in the long run, Adam Smith always wins.
2: The invisible hand.
4: He always wins. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Sometimes it takes him a year, sometimes it takes him 10 years. And what I mean by that is eventually anything will become crowded enough, so any advantage gets competed away. It's, it's always seeking, he's always, it's sort of like you're always running down the hall and Adam Smith is chasing you with an axe. It's hard to maintain an advantage. And in the hedge fund you know, space... But you know, it's
2: interesting that you say that because there's a lot of industries right now, we just had Jed Dorsheimer on our show, and he said with respect to electri- electrification of vehicles, it could be winner take all in a very, very fragmented market. Google, winner take all. Amazon, winner take all. A lot of that Facebook, winner take all.
3: It's because of the information age and the amount of power that is in the information the the... the the ability for us to aggregate it and then also disseminate it and analyze it. And I think that's what you're seeing in a lot of these uh, a lot of these large tech names that have a bunch of scale.
2: Yeah, but, but in the world of investing it's different.
4: It like, is different because you're talking about things, you know, like Warren Buffett, for example. Coke is also somewhat an unassailable because they have a brand. And that brand creates a moat. Google has a brand. Amazon has a brand. I don't know if it's possible in the investment management space to have a brand. No, in certainly, the same your, your way.
2: Goldman Sachs had a brand. Uh, I'm not saying it was a well-coveted well coveted brand. I could say during h- the crisis, people hated that brand. But in terms of Wall Street shops, yeah, Goldman Sachs top of the list. You work for a good brand. But I was going
3: to say, hedge funds also have a negative connotation and negative time. brand out there. Yeah. And a lot of it is due to leverage and due to a lot of companies that have blown up and and underperformance. The, 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 the true nature of hedge funds. Is not through leverage, it's actually trying to reduce volatility, trying to reduce market
4: risk. Hedge risk. Right? Hedge I think that's what back. Noah tries to focus well, on. Well, right. back to Adam Smith, and, he, and I'll tie it into hedge funds for you. So, you know, hedge funds were kind of a really small cottage industry. And I'm going to go back to the tech bubble of the late 90s when everyone, including everyone day trading in their mother's basement, sure. thought it was easy to oh, make yeah. 20% a year. Mm-hmm. And then the bubble burst, as it always does, and they found out in a very rude way that it wasn't so easy mm-hmm. to make 20% a year. Now you year. Just, go to,
2: just go to Wealthsimple and give it to a robot. Sure, that's easy. It'll work. Huh. Well, so Good luck. You know, but, but as people were getting killed
4: when the tech bubble burst, and I don't mean just the guys in their mother's basement day trading stocks, I mean institutions, pension funds, Uh sovereign wealth funds, they were all getting killed. But as they were getting killed, hedge funds, which were a small cottage industry, were making out like bandits when everyone was getting killed. So what happened is... Now hedge funds get discovered, in quotes. They get discovered by pension funds. They get discovered by high net worth individuals. And you have a massive rush of assets into hedge funds. Hedge fund assets globally have gone from $300 billion in 2000 to $3.3 trillion today. Wow. That's an 11-fold really? increase. That's a big number. Well, if you don't think that's going to have a deleterious impact on returns, then you didn't take Economics 101.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's funny because you know, when I speak to our um, uh, analysts uh, in, in New York, in Boston... Uh, they say the bulk of their institutional calls they receive are from hedge funds, and the, the discussion is not around buying the company; it's around shorting the company. They say 75 percent of their time is discussing shorting various ideas. I when's the stock purchase Can I short it into the print? And it's a, it's just such a mindset that the average investor um, that doesn't truly appreciate. Um, and I you know I think the notion of hedging or of shorting is it's counterintuitive uh it's not what wealth creation is all about in other words i don't know a lot of people getting rich shorting stocks we have noah solomon institute it's real pleasure a former goldman sachs uh gentleman uh now out in his own um uh running money in a very very unique fashion and noah's going to share with us uh his philosophy on uh the markets and uh how to efficiently manage money on a go forward basis on hi-fi radio right after this
1: Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
2: Welcome back to the show. Yes, a little Depeche Mode. Everything counts in small amounts. Whereas everything counts in large amounts. Well, uh, it counts. It does indeed. Uh, we have Noah Solomon Studio, uh, a former hedge fund manager with Goldman Sachs, trading the house money. That sounds so cool to be trading the house money. I guess until the house fires. Yeah. Not that they did. Uh, when you work for the man, eh? no. Uh, I guess when you're down in... Uh, Wall Street, and you head out to the clubs late night. You heard a little Depeche Mode at night, I'm sure, back in the day. Did you not?
1: Well,
4: uh, not exactly. Oh, no, you're, uh, you're a squeaky uh, clean boy. I didn't uh, party. Well, you know, the you know, problem is, no, 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 I'll, no? I'll be honest with you, I was commuting back and forth every day between Philadelphia and New York, which doesn't leave you a lot of time for any extracurricular. Did you have a
2: Sony Walkman
4: at least? Uh, I had every travel toy imaginable.
2: Yeah. All you, need, all you need is one now. Isn't it incredible with that one toy? How powerful. Exactly. It's incredible how powerful the, the technology is. It really, really is. Um, I remember in the 87 crash, they blamed much of that crash on a lot of people leaving work early on a Friday and not being there to actually execute trades. So um, the market became more volatile because of through lack of liquidity, where I think now we are a little bit more connected. I don't saying it's a good thing or a better thing, but it's just, you, you feel more uh Connected and in control. Anyways, Noah, Please, uh, you used to manage hedge. Uh, you 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 you've you learned certain things from running hedge and and hanging out with the hedge community, but you have a different approach now to money. Basically, cash or or stock. And you have some indicators that help guide you in and out of the market because your objective is to preserve capital first, get the bulk of the trade, not all of the trade, and on a a risk-adjusted basis, come out with a reasonable rate of return. I want you to speak to that philosophy and and why you think it makes so much sense.
4: Sure. So, you know, in our minds, longer-term investing is really 99% about one thing, and that is harnessing the magic of compounding. Mm -hmm. And the best way to harness that magic is don't have large losses. That's the best way. They kill the magic. And if you just think about it, gains and losses are not the same. So if you have a $1 million portfolio and you have a 30% loss, you now have $700,000. If you have a 30% gain, You don't get back to a million dollars. You only have $910,000.
2: You need a 50% gain to get back to to even.
4: Well, if it's a 30% loss, you need 43. 43. If you have a 50% loss, you need 100. So it kills the magic of compounding. Mm -hmm. Even Einstein said, compounding is the eighth wonder of the world. So compounding, so you can't have large losses because it kills the magic. So accordingly, we wanted a strategy that would participate in rising markets, not necessarily knock the lights out or outperform, but most importantly would protect investors every five to 10 years when the lights go dark and you have a bear market. So we wanted something with those performance attributes, but without any of the, I guess you could call it hedge fund baggage. And those baggage, the baggage is two kinds. Number one is the fee baggage, Mm -hmm. you know, the huge management fees and the performance fees so we don't have any of that baggage mm-hmm. and we didn't want any of the liquidity baggage meaning if you want your money out for whatever reason um you don't have to have a lockup period or quarterly redemption we we have weekly liquidity
2: you know, that, that's very powerful
4: and it's funny you say that because you know in our research we couldn't find anybody at least in this country who had all three of those attributes protection and bear markets liquidity and low fees i agree and that was the genesis of Outcome one. I just sat in
2: front of a, a hedge fund manager and the fee was 1.5%. Plus fifteen performance, and that performance was on every dollar earned. So if they massively underperformed the market, they still took a fifty percent, fifteen percent of your of the profit. it Became all in fee would be five or six percent. I repeat, the all in fee would be five or six percent in a good year. If you have a thirty percent year, fifteen percent of fifteen percent of thirty percent is what four hundred fifty basis points plus one hundred fifty basis points a or six hundred basis points a fee. Uh, so well, to it's, your ridiculous, point, it's ridiculous.
4: If, if investing is about compounding. That kills your compounding. It's kind of like trying to run a marathon with a with a giant pack on your back. No, no. I want to tell you
2: again. You're, you're a very learned guy, and, and I know you know your numbers well. But I uh, I subscribe to a number of different services, which cost me a lot of money. Uh, but that's part of the value proposition that Jack and I bring to the equation. Um, uh, but in bespoke management, they in, they indicated that almost a hundred percent of equity returns occur when the market is closed. Earnings come out at 4 o'clock, stock gaps up, market now opens higher tomorrow. And they back-tested it with, in fact, if, if you... Sold the clothes, bought the open versus buying the clothes, selling the open. And they proved that basically the bulk of the returns occur after hours, which means you ha- day trading was all about closing out overnight positions, taking on no overnight risk, and then trying to find a new girl to dance with tomorrow and hope you get kissed within the eight six-hour window. Uh, close up positions if you don't get kissed and try another date next uh, tomorrow. Uh, but if the bulk of the returns occur when the market's closed, you have to be there uh, to participate. Uh, so in, out, in, out. I don't know, In a bull market doesn't make a lot of sense. I want you to speak to that briefly in the interest of time.
4: Yeah, so so basically I would agree with you. I wouldn't advocate being in and out and in and out in some kind of high-frequency day trading, picking local tops and bottoms kind of sense. I've rarely seen that work, if ever. Correct. Over, over time,
2: short-term it might, but over time not. Um
4: But it's funny. You don't need to be perfect and hyper-trade, and you don't need to pick exact tops and bottoms to add a lot of value uh, in terms of compounding your money over time versus a static buy and hold, you don't you can be you can be really imperfect in terms of not hitting the exact top mm-hmm. or picking the exact bottom, yep. and I mean in
2: cycles. Yeah, because I mean, you can not Just avoid the blow up, so you don't have to be perfect yeah. if you avoid the bulk of the Eggs, blow up. You're, that's exactly. No, we're it, not
4: yeah. trying to play every wiggle in the market, but the basic idea is be invested in things like stocks when when things are going well and get out when markets start failing We have about 30 without se- hyper-trading. We have
2: Noah Solman in, 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 the, in the studio, former hedge fund manager, but we've got about 15, 20 seconds left here. I want to ask you a quick question. Your current barometer, because you have this barometer, to, what is your weather barometer saying for the market? In other words, okay. you, how much stock do you have versus how much uh, safe cash or right. near cash T-bills do you have in your portfolio So We right now?
4: rebalance once a month. Mm-hmm. At the end of last month, so, in other words, our positioning for this month, for August, yes. is quite conservative. Our signals, which are based on big data and machine learning, mm-hmm. they're not intuitive. They're not subjective. It's hard data and
2: statistical you, evidence. You, you, take the mo- you, you said you take the human emotion ele- element completely, complete, complete, 100% it of it.
4: Completely data-driven yeah. based on science, logic, and artificial intelligence.
2: How safe are you sitting right now?
4: Uh, I'll tell you. At the end of last month, we only owned 10% equities. Mm-hmm were 10% REITs, 10% mm-hmm. U.S. preferred shares, 10% high yield bonds, and 10% emerging market sovereign bonds, 25% short term investment grade corporate bonds, and 25% long term U.S. Treasury. So believe it or not, we are up over 3% this month when the markets are down. Well,
2: on a year to date basis, how are you doing?
4: Year-to-date basis, we're up about five or six. But again, again, in the last quarter of 2018, when markets were down 10 to 20%, depending on which country we're talking about, we were flat because our signals told us to get out of the way. People forget all the money they've made this year, they're not really making money. They're just getting their money back because of compounding. If you lose 20%, you need to make 25 just to get back to where you were. Yeah. Whereas yep. actually, in this case, when we're up five or 6% this year, we're making money because we didn't lose any money we're not recouping losses. Mm-hmm. We started with 100 cent dollars.
2: Good for you. Well, it's a different approach, um, Noah, and you certainly are seasoned and you have a lot of experience and look, uh, there are a lot of beautiful, beautiful people that we can all dance with and so uh, and we can all enjoy ourselves and we're all going to do just that. This I is don't hi-
4: know if I'm beautiful but I'm happy to dance with you. No, beautiful people that you can dance with. <laughs> um,
2: this is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. It's a pleasure and a privilege for both Jack Hartle and myself to join you each and every Saturday on the Global News Radio Network at 640 in Toronto. You have yourself